This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Well, California where? Uh, um, more Southern California. Yeah. Because we had the, one of the hottest markets and I, I live in San Francisco, the Bay Area. Yeah. And we had one of the hottest markets in real estate. And it looks like, I, I don't know what's driving. Is it the SF hype that's now migrating towards the next next hot place, which could be you know something like an Austin or a Miami? Um, or is it just different forces at work? It's nothing to do with... Um, the tech workers here is something else. What is it? The taxes? I mean, what is it? Well, it's a, I think it's a good mix of a lot of those things for, for a lot of people. I think the other element too is just the, and we'll see what happens now that the knock on wood, the pandemic is maybe winding down a little bit. If people start forcing employees to come back into offices, but you know, a lot of talent, I think that was in San Francisco was fed up with the prices and found somewhere where it maybe was a little less costly to live if they didn't have to come into the office. Yeah, and having said that, it's not necessarily that the housing market is, is weakening in San Francisco. I think I think there's inflation going on. I think house prices are increasing everywhere. It's perhaps the disparity between the rental side and the um, sales side, where the rents have declined, although they're climbing up slowly again. Whereas house prices haven't budged as much, but I, I, my opinion is it's inflation. And speaking of hot markets, another hot market, and I, I know this because... I work at Bluefield Capital, which is a private equity fund. We buy real estate and we also invest in prop tech startups. Salt Lake City, where some of our team is, that is a very hot market. It's becoming more and more common now where you'll get 20 offers on a home. People are waiving contingencies. People are starting to do what was happening in markets like San Francisco, you know, buying unseen. I mean, that's crazy, you know, and all cash offers. And <laughs> it's... Uh, it's interesting. To me, it's scary, you know, how you are going to... I, I, I look at this example. I, I will have... I will scrutinize some of the smallest purchases, like the book I'm going to buy next, or, you know, an electronic gadget, right? Um, I have a hard time spending, you know, a couple hundred bucks on a new pair of shoes. Whereas, no problem buying a bunch of Bitcoin. No problem, you know, uh, bidding on a home and, and doing things like that. It's, it's just very interesting human psychology. And I, I somewhat think it's, it's actually humans like the game and and the transaction thrives on momentum and there's a concept an ancient concept we all know and that's buyer's remorse and sometimes seller's remorse too yeah that, that, that's at play here <laughs> yeah well it's people like to go with what is hot as well as i think we're saying the same thing here but you see it and and you tend to gravitate towards those things uh, the, you know, Salt Lake City is interesting. Like we found more talent there recently. We've because we've gone remote as a com- as a company, yeah. And we found an incredible amount of talent coming out of, out of Salt Lake more than most other markets that were advertising job postings. It's, it's very it's very interesting. We didn't anticipate it. And is that just because the market's hot? There are more people moving there. I don't know. I, I haven't really dug in too much. I've got an opinion on this. M- my opinion is that. Silicon Valley, San Francisco was the place everyone wanted to be because of all the tech happening. And people like the weather until you leave in, until you live in the city and you realize our summers are like winters, you know, they're, they're a lot colder. But then I, I tend to find, and this is again, just my opinion, right? 
a lot of people start to look at places like San Diego and LA because there's beach and they like beaches and there's Miami, Florida because they like that too. And then there's people that love winter sports. Everyone I know who is uh, in Salt Lake City for sure loves the fact that the proximity and, you know, we're talking it's so easy to get from Salt Lake City to somewhere like Park City and, you know, go, go skiing and snowboarding versus here getting to Tahoe. When everyone else is going there, it can be a five, six hour journey and you can be stuck on the highway. So I, I, I actually think it's, it's a lifestyle choice for many people in the same way a lot of people who are migrating to Oregon before, places like Bend, Oregon, for example, uh, really like the nature. So I feel like cities now are offering something as their sort of differentiator. And I think what Utah offers there, perhaps the great winter sports, a lot of, you know, um, extreme weather for sure, I feel, you know, the, the, the ex extremity is big, but it, perhaps that's one part of it. And that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's a fluke. Maybe just a lot of the talent loves winter sports. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. On the running a company side, what, what advice uh, do you have for uh, founders? You've, you've, you know, you've been growing transactly. You guys are scaling now um, pretty fast. Any, any lessons you've learned that you'd like to share? You know, I've, well, this isn't the first time I've done it. This one was the one where we've really kind of moved incredibly fast. And we've grown incredibly fast, but we stumbled across this tech-enabled service aspect. We provide transaction coordinators on top of a platform. So just for anyone else, we provide a platform where people can manage transactions themselves using our software. These are agents and teams, or they can hire a tech-enabled coordinator to do it for them. We originally launched just being pure software. Like we thought, okay, agents are just going to sign up in droves because this is technology that's going to help them coordinate the transaction instead of using these spreadsheets that they typically use. And it'll help get all the other parties involved, like ultimately delivering that client experience. Well, <clears throat> we, we gained a lot of feedback really quick. So if it's anything, the advice is get a ton of people in as quickly as you can and really, really dig in and listen to them and test that stuff. Because what we found is most agents, either their coordinator was using it or a lot of them were just like, it's really cool, but I don't want to use it. I just don't want more technology. But we did dig into that second cohort. It was like, well, who would actually do it? And it's who the first cohort was actually using. And and then so there was a lot of other testing around demand for that nationwide. So, you know, and this is this is not anything new. It's, you know, cliche pivot, whatever. But it's, it's that process that you learn going through that of really, really digging in and listening and trying to cram something down someone's throat. And we see that a lot in the industry. A lot of people are trying to just push new things into the market without actually listening. And Ryan, to be clear, when you're talking about get people in as fast as you can, you don't mean hiring people for the sake of hiring people. You mean customers. Get customers and users. Yeah, users. We took an interesting approach. We took a very interesting approach to, to get potential customers in. And it was time consuming. We built a ton of content around for home buyers and sellers. And the idea was, well, if you're gonna get an agent's attention, it's to give them a lead, like give them business. So when we launched, it was, hey, agents, we have leads for you. And so we built a ton of content. We were able to get buyer and seller leads in that were looking for agents in their area. And we delivered leads to the agents and we said, okay, here's the catch. We give you the lead, but you've gotta use the software and the application and give us feedback. And it worked. Like it, it's, it worked tremendously in getting a lot of feedback really quickly. Yeah, this is an example of understanding your customer and what motivates them. And as an entrepreneur, you can sit there and build the most sophisticated technology platform in the world, expect yeah. to launch it 
and expect the droves to come and use it because, you know, why wouldn't they use it? It's beautiful. It improves their workflow. Well, no, you, this is the hard thing about an entrepreneur. You have to speak to them in their language. And if an agent's going out and they want leads and they want sales, you damn right need to go and do that for them, right? And then bring your platform in uh, as part of that. And and that, that, that reminds me a lot of, um, I, uh, I built an advertising platform and we were targeting games, game developers. And, you know, there's one thing to email a developer and say, integrate my technology, run ads, or advertise on my platform. I was obsessed. I played these games nonstop until I'd be literally in the top 10 for some of my favorite, you know, games. Then I'd message them with a bunch of feedback and every founder wants to hear the feedback from a consumer. It means a lot to them, right? Then I'd say, look, by the way, you know, I also think you have an opportunity to make money putting ads in your app. And here's our platform. And you know, that was not a scalable way. I mean, that's not scalable to try to be like top 10 gamer, right? But I mean, it was probably healthy procrastination on my part. <laughs> but, but you have to do that stuff to start. Like you have to do those things that don't scale, like talking to every single one of those people. Because now we're at a stage where it's, it's becoming very hard to do that. You would do it on a more scaled capacity or, you know, our success team does it. But now then you get to a, a point of like data and how, how do we glean these things from data? But I would keep that as long as you possibly can talking to those customers at, at those very early stages. Even now, there's still a number of early customers that I still reach out to on a regular basis as things have changed in our company, our product has changed for their feedback. I just have to have it. You know, it's one of those lessons where some people learn through advice, other people learn through making their own mistakes. And sometimes this isn't a mistake like I tripped over, I got up, I tripped over again, I realized not to step there. This is, I launched a company, I failed many years past. I launched another company, I failed many years past. Now I learn, I need to go talk to customers, right? It's that wisdom that... You may hear it on a podcast and you may think, okay, go talk to customers. It's not until like someone like you and I who have run companies, you appreciate this is like a religion. You have to talk to customers and bring them in and do that as fast as possible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard job though. And I'm sure you can relate because you can't get defensive. You've got to really listen. And then you have to take some of it with a grain of salt. So it's really fleshing out whatever the common denominator is across many conversations, not just one or two. And there's inertia here because of that, because this is an emotional process and you've got to run it in the most logical way possible, not emotional. But you're right, you've got an idea, you're really sure it's gonna work. The last thing you want is someone telling you it's not gonna work and I appreciate that, especially if it's a friend or whoever else. It's dangerous to get advice from people like that because they're not the end user. But then you know you build this and you put so much energy into it and a customer comes in and asks for a small change. That small change could be a massive change on the technology side, right? Like rewriting the whole platform, changing the value proposition. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, people don't see it under the covers. No, but you, this is advice that, again, I stress for any entrepreneur hearing this, it's the thing that matters. And, you know, an anecdote is, uh, I I, I speak to a lot of founders um, and at the beginning in that journey, you know, there's an idea and you might give them feedback and they have every right to ignore your feedback, right? Uh, but you might also give them ideas and they're very receptive to ideas. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Now, uh, those same entrepreneurs, after a couple of failures, you talk to them and they're like, well, that's a good idea, but I need to, I need to get advice on that. I need to go talk to some customers. Uh, sure, but how will I know customers will use this? The whole language changes. It's not, wow, that can make a lot of money. It's, well, you know, how do I find the right customer? It's about execution. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, fantastic yeah. advice. And, uh, you know, appreciate you coming on today's show. Uh, how can people reach you? Uh, if it, and, you know, what, what's sort of your pitch to the audience here for how they might use Transactly and how can they reach you? Yeah, I mean, our primary customer, even though we get involved with everyone from the buyer and seller to title companies, lenders, but our primary com- customer are agents and, and real estate teams and brokerages. Um, and they use us to be more productive. So we save them a significant amount of time. And the value prop for them is if they don't have to do these like facilitative tasks and coordinating a lot of these things, then they can go out and gain more business. And that's what we free them up to do. So, um, yeah, if there's anyone that's – I'm not sure what if your audience are really agents and teams, but they're – very mixed everything from uh people in the real estate industry like agents themselves property managers uh ceos and executives of real estate companies and investors and students and you've got other vcs and entrepreneurs the whole wide world seven billion people tuning in well not quite a small fraction of that but still (laughs) fantastic great well anyone can reach out to me by email i have no problem sharing how do they reach you yeah it's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at transactly.com. That's Brian. I'll say it with a British accent to add some credibility. That's B-R-Y-A-N at T-R-A-N-S-A-C-T-L-Y dot C-O-M, in case anyone's wondering the last part there. Much more sophistication. Thank you so much. All right, it was great having you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, Zane, I appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure.